Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Wet Paint NYC podcast. I'm Paul Cepeda and I'm here with Joshua War, founder and executive director of Art of War Productions and Valentin April, multidisciplinary artist. Hi guys, welcome to the studio. Thanks Paul. Hi Paul. Thanks for coming out. It's great to have you here. And I got to tell you, this is the first time I'm doing a dual podcast, two guests at the same time. So that'll be interesting, especially because we will all be sharing a single microphone. Why don't we jump in by you telling us what is Art of War Productions and how did it get started? Okay, so my company is a New York City-based theatrical and film production company. We commission and uh, do revivals of work that is pro-female and pro-LGBTQ. And this is our... It's been around for a while, but I feel like this is like the second year it's actually been realizing its full potential. I started it back in 2011 to produce all of my nightclub stuff. <laughs> like back when I did cabaret works, I was like, I need a company to produce this. Uh, yes. um, and then the more I got involved with um, fellow actor friends and the more we were starting to self-produce independent theater, I, you know, I had this company already formed and I thought, let's, let's, let's use this as a jumping off point to create um, a home environment for uh, film and theater and web content and see what happens and where it goes. Very cool. Yeah, I, I remember some of those cabaret shows and that kind of thing. That's when we first met, that's that's kind of how I knew you. And then I've yeah. seen you the last couple of years or so really develop and blossom into, you know, being you know, the director of things and, and producing all of these productions that you know don't necessarily star you or include you um in the in the performance side so that's been a that's been a really awesome thing to see you sort of grow and i'm looking forward to seeing the the things that you're working on for this for this coming season as well because i know that you've got a lot of stuff that we'll jump into why don't you tell us a little bit about those early years in the cabaret what were you doing you know was it you know, I know that there's like a drag component and some characters and that kind of thing. So tell us about those fun, fun early years. I literally thought cabaret was going to be my career. I was like, this is it. Like, this is going to give me like a chance to tour. And, and like, no one cared. Like, no one came to my shows other than like my really close friends. So here in New York. Here in New York oh. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up playing sports and so the arts were kind of fringe for my family and it was a hobby right so I played hockey soccer lacrosse I ran track year-round five months of sports do the math there's only four months in a year and we were playing five months of sports um or uh five seasons of sports um I said months I wish there were only four months in a year but it's (laughs) sadly 12 and most of them are cold um and uh so when I went to college I hid from my parents I was going to be a dance minor until like senior year uh, one of my dance professors I mean they knew I was taking dance classes they didn't know it was like it was turning into something and one of my dance professors was like you got to let Josh go to New York and try you know being an artist and uh, Donna Davenport is her name hey Donna I call her D squared D squared right that's that's two yeah, that's two, two Ds, yeah. <laughs> I'm an artist, not a mathematician. Um, <clears throat> DD. Um, and Donna literally cornered my parents um, on like the quad lawn and was like, you got to let Josh pursue this. And so they were like, all right, you fool. 
go to New York. Um, and I moved uh, to New York as a dancer, and I, I, I spent a couple years dancing with companies. Um, and I just, I felt like I missed using my voice, right? And so I started taking voice classes and voice performance classes. And I went back to acting school. And like, at all, what I, like I'd always sung like a hobby. I was a hobby singer. Not, I was like graduated from shower singing <laughs> into like, maybe I could, maybe I could entertain somebody with my foghorn of a voice. So I started doing my own cabarets. 2009, I did Love and War. Then I teamed up with another Josh, uh, Joshua Desjardins. Uh, we did um, Joshing Around, which was about it, like if two Joshes who were rising stars in the cabaret world were accidentally booked on the same night because nobody checked last names, what would happen? And so he's a self-professed nerd. And I'm, well, at the time, I've, I've calmed down a little bit, self-professed diva. So it was like the two ends of like the spectrum. <laughs> You, you, you think you've calmed down? Well, well. <laughs> he's claiming he calmed down. I, I have to be somewhat humble. Um, so jo uh, Joshing Around ran for about two years at the, between the Duplex and the Lori Beachman Theater. And then um, I that was probably 2013. Then 2014, I went through a terrible breakup uh, with, uh, obviously, my ex. That goes without saying. And I put all of that kind of breakup energy into a show I called Love and War. And it was, um, it was, you know, it talked about falling in love and then, well, having to fall out of love when a relationship ends. And then my first show, Sing No Evil, was about the seven deadly sins. So all of my shows are very conceptual. I'm not somebody who just wants to get up and like, oh, let me sing this standard. Like, usually it fits into some kind of, like, book. Some 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 story that you're working on telling, right? Yes, I think that's a common thread with most of us artists is stories. The stories behind what we do. Sometimes we're not even uh, always fully aware of why we're doing the things. Sometimes other people point it out to us after they see our work or during the process of doing the work, we learn more about ourselves. And that's I think that's where a lot of great breakthroughs and artistic growth and artistic creations yeah. come from that exact place, especially when there's some pain involved. Um, you know, something to push you through, something to push you out of your comfort zone and to grow and that kind of thing. So that's awesome. So those, that was the early years. So what, so what really sort of made you calm down, as you say, a little bit and evolve into this, you know, very serious, at least in practice, serious director, producer and all the things that you've been doing really over the last couple of years? How did that, how did that change sort of come? come uh... Well, I, I. I peaked and fell in 2014 when I booked Law & Order SVU and The Americans. And I was like, oh, this is great. I have two TV credits. I'm going to get called into lots of New York casting uh, uh, casting rooms. Nothing, nothing. No one was calling. <laughs> no one was calling. So uh, Valentine and I went to the same acting school. That's the Maggie Flanagan studio uh, a couple years apart. Um, and uh, that studio does a really like the alum do a really great job of staying in communication and staying together and really most supporting great. most of them. You know, there's some, mm -hmm. there is some trash in there, but every once in a while, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, some outliers, um, <laughs> that are just not in your corner, but you know, we'll get to that later. Uh, and so Valentine and I were part of, um, you know, we'd been working with Ruddy Productions, which was started from a whole graduating class from the studio. Uh, Ruddy 
Uh, I was I was like guest directing for them, and then um, in I want to say two thousand, it might be fifteen, two thousand fall of fifteen. I joined as their associate artistic director under Katie Healy, who was their artistic director. So we had been, um, you know, we had been uh, trying to get some seasons together. We were launching, uh, you know, we were premiering Matthew McLaughlin's uh, play Orion at Theater Row. Um, we were doing fundraisers, uh, and then every Monday um, we would have what was called Ruddy Gym, and it was where uh, actors could come and get a get a workout in cold reading and monologues and scene work and working off actors. And uh, so I directed the gym, uh, mostly directing the work in the gym and and directing the feedback sessions. But like every once in a while, we would have guest directors come in, and you know, um, and then uh, my. Dear friend and producing partner Blake Merriman, also a graduate of the studio, also does Valentine, also a part of Ruddy, was like, I want to do this play. Uh, Ruddy only does uh, new work, by the way, and, okay. and Ruddy's no longer, I think they're on hiatus right now, so I'm not sure what's going on, but um, they were only doing new work at the time, and we wanted to do revivals. So I was like, well, Blake, I've got Art of War. It's registered with the government already, so we got half the battle. Let's let's just do this. So we did Brilliant Traces. We raised $34,000 on Kickstarter. Um, we hired uh, Alyssa May Gold, who's a, um, a really talented actor. She was a child star of Yaya, uh, the Divine Secrets of the Yaya oh. Sisterhood, which I watched every almost every day of college, and like I couldn't believe I was now working with. I think she played, like Maggie Smith as a young kid. I don't know. She was one of them. Um, hey, Alyssa. Uh, so we we hired her through Cindy Rush Casting, and we did Brilliant Traces, and then we had such a great experience doing that that it was like, what's next? And so Blake had always wanted to do Aaron Posner's Stupid Fucking Bird. Um, and so we set out to do that. And then we were approached by a few of the recent graduates of the Maggie Flanagan studio who wanted to do a play called Pizza Man by Darlene Craviato. And so Blake and I talked about it. I was like, listen, I can use the same set for both. Literally the same set pieces and the same set for both. It's just like hidden nuggets of like, oh, we saw that couch in the other play. How are they using it in this play? You know? Um, and so we're doing Pizza Man and Stupid Fucking Bird in rep at the 13th Street Theater, October 3rd through October 27th. Both pieces are pro-female. Um, both pieces deal with revenge, unrequited love, uh, attempted suicide, you know. Also some real, some real <laughs> stories there. Some real meat to those stories. So uh, are, are tickets on sale for that now? Tickets are on sale. You can go to artofwarproductions.com. War has two R's. Artofwarproductions.com. And you can find uh, ticket sales. We also have a gala coming up September 9th um, at the D-Lounge. Tickets are also on sale for that. And then all of the information, the charity we're donating, portions of the proceeds to, and what our goals are, what our company does, who we're working with. And so... We're trying to give back as much as we want to get ahead we want to help others you know get ahead too fantastic awesome i know how that goes and we'll touch back on that because i have a personal story about how you're helping out just being a friend actually led to a lot of cool things that we've discussed on this podcast before so i will get back to that but before that i'm meeting valentine for the first time and i wanted to ask you valentine how did you get involved in all of this were you an actor at one point? I know that you um, are an artist now, fellow oil painter. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and, and what you wanted to tell about Josh's fantastic projects coming up? 
Yeah, um, I I started out as a dancer as well, like Josh, and um, I when I met Josh, I was at the Maggie Flanagan School, and he was I cornered I don't know if you remember this, but I cornered you in the hallway, and you were talking about something that you were doing. I think you were talking about your cabaret shows or and and looking to start something uh, additional. Maybe that's shortly after you had the conversation with Blake. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I've done this and this and this. I, I danced, I choreographed, I, I ran my own um, performance company in Philadelphia. I have all these skills. I'd really love to work with you. Do you remember that? It was, Barely. It, it was probably, wasn't it at one of the um, holiday parties? Yeah, we had been uh, drinking a little bit, yeah. so, but yeah, so. Yeah. so That's the perfect time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So, um, so yeah, so when um, Josh was doing, when uh, he and Blake decided to do Brilliant Traces, I came on as um, the associate director and also um, ended up uh, doing movement direction and that is my role as well for uh, Stupid Fucking Bird. And uh, so I'm just really, I'm happy to have this opportunity, you know, that, that Josh is giving me. I love, I love working with my body and working with other people to help them work with their bodies and um, be real about it. And, you know, because it really, and it sort of meshes in with, with the painting, right? Because really all it is is visual. It's still a visual story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a moving visual story, you know? Like I, when I look at these things, I'm, when I look at the scenes, when I look at everything that's happening, I'm, I'm, I'm not only looking about looking at, okay, how naturally... Are they able to execute the moves that they're asked to do? Are they actually drawing on their own natural movements? Um, are they really grounded in this? But I'm also looking at you know the relationships between um, the different characters in the scene and also how it plays out in, in the box, in that little canvas-shaped box there. Um, so it's really all just so much fun. Yeah. And, and that's what that's what a movement director is. That's what they do. Huh? For for those of us who are uninitiated into the theater world, it's well, it's about it's about what it looks like. Uh, well, that's cool. So that's so I, I'm learning here. So that's great. So it's you you are helping direct the uh, the visual the movement visual component of what's going on on the stage because it's not just you know the the words that are coming out of the the mouth or the, the singing that kind of there's movement involved and if it looks weird that's gonna di- di- distract and detract from the overall um, yeah. piece. Well, it's it's like you know as the director <clears throat> I, I kind of I give I give her the kind of painting that's already done right mm-hmm. and then I say I say now get the actors in a place right a, a very fluid grounded released state of being so they can then traverse this world being open and 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 ready to work off of actors right after off of fellow actors it's no secret maybe it is a secret maybe a lot of people don't realize this maybe i think there are a lot of people not in touch with their bodies right in the world we carry a lot of um a lot of tension in our upper back 
and we hold a lot of tension in our sphincter. There you go. <laughs> I'm such a 13 year old kid, I can't see that one without giggling. <laughs> but. And that tension that we hold shows in the way that we move, in the way that we hold ourselves, in the way that we walk, in the way that we sit, and that all translates to. Uh, you know, visual communication, you know, visual cues that lead people to think a certain thing. And I got to say, it's really uh, a gift in a way to be able to come in there and have sort of the the groundwork already set, you know, where they have to be when and, all you know, all of the that stuff, that director stuff that Josh does already done. So really, you know, you I'm just like, it yeah, it's like I'm just giving this little piece of candy here. Here, mm-hmm. Valentine, what can you do with this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, and so, and so, Valentine, you will be uh, reprising your role as movement director for these upcoming both yes. productions, right? This yes. coming season. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let me get back really quickly to this idea that, that Josh brought up about, you know, doing doing the work that he wants to do, but also trying to help other people out along the way. Um, I've been working with a gentleman by the name of Charles Goforth and a group that he that he founded and created called Compass Needle. And that's basically the idea behind the whole, the whole, the concept behind Compass Needle is uh, this exploration of the idea. Can we benefit ourselves while helping others? Can't, you know, while, uh, can service be used as a mutually beneficial thing instead of just a one, one-sided either way? It's not just give or take, it's, it's give and take. And so we've been exploring this idea in a variety of ways for the last uh, two or three years now. And, and how I got involved is when he was first getting that thing sort of off the ground, uh, he put a call out on Facebook, I think it was, uh, looking for some sort of artist or logo designer to do logo for the company. And Josh, you threw my name in the hat randomly, and he actually ended up reaching out to me. And then, and I did the logo for him, and then that that sort of snowballed into me uh, helping out in various capacities on several of the other projects that he's working on, including, and possibly most notably, um, the Artist in Fellowship program that we recently wrapped up our first fully completed, highly successful um, season of. So that was super awesome, where we brought five advisors from various aspects of the art world and five sort of emerging artists um, and put them together to create uh, a network that hopefully will advance their career. And the idea was, what are all the things that I wish I had had personally as an artist coming up, the network that I wish I had had that I didn't have because I moved around so much and I'm not necessarily from New York City and that kind of thing. And so I think, you know, for our initial pilot program, we did um, a really great job. We ended up showing at Super Fine Art Fair and every one of the artists sold work from there, which is, you know, super fantastic. Um, One thing that I haven't mentioned is that uh, Josh is an art collector and he has several of my pieces of work. We can jump back into that later. But yeah, so it's been um, really cool. And actually, Charles and I are working on uh, looking at the evolved uh, next phase of this program. So it's looking it's looking like we may have a round two coming up very soon as well. So that'll be cool. Lots of surprises in there. So, you know, so once again, this idea, you've been working on this idea, whether you know it or not, for years and years and years of, sh- you know, a little bit of sharing, helping out friends and family, um, 
that can then lead to you know bigger and better things for yourself as well. You know, um, there's the whole there's like the whole adage of like it takes a village. It really does. Go. And and I think the more technology impacts society, the more withdrawn we are, right? And and I can't I can't express enough how important it is to support artists at every level. You know, um, Valentine and for us to support and for us to support each other. And for I us mean, to support each other. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, working with Valentine as an associate director, and now she's my movement director. You know, like Charles Goforth, I know him from the Maggie Flanagan studio. I collect your work. So like piecing these things together, it's a given to me because I want people that I respect and know and admire to work together. And, you know, every once in a while you'll you'll get some kind of backlash to what your journey is to to either you know, meet financial requirements to produce something or, you know, calling in favors. And, you know, I mean, you've, you've donated two pieces now to fundraisers for us. Um, you know, it's, I think it is, you know, when I, when I, when I receive these kind of this backlash, I just don't, I don't get it because there's no one really looking out for us other than us and the artists around us. Right. And so when you're not, when you're not being supported by what you think the circle in which you are is supporting you, it's it's a slap to the face, you know? It's a huge slap to the face because what are we doing if we're not supporting each other? Washington isn't supporting us. Currently, Washington's trying to pull funding from NPR and public, you know, public access. Um, uh, money that is out there for art grants is spread awfully thin because they're trying to give it to as many people as possible and they're not that much money to begin with. So, you know, it's an, it's an uphill battle and I feel like artists, gotta st you gotta stick together. I, I like that idea. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the ways to do that is to um, really, you know, sometimes you need to use your acting skills or your creative skills, right, to uh, figure out how to communicate in a productive way um, to get things done. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really important. I think that sometimes people just lose lose uh, sight of, of, you know, what really is uh, productive communication. Um, really, really important. Yes, communication certainly is important because if we are all on the same page, even if we are all on the same page, if we don't know that we're all on the same page, that can make it difficult. Absolutely. So it's so communication in whatever um, fashion is is very important. And you know, and that's that's also what we're doing when we do when we do the plays. The actors are communicating. The director is communicating. When I make a painting, I'm communicating something. Um, you know, obviously musicians are communicating through there. So communication is key. And once again, like you said, it's it's uh, it takes a village. A village needs to be able to talk to each other and say, hey, I need some help with this, but I also have this. I've got some extra whatever. You want some of this? And uh, it, seems to, it seems to work out when people aren't just looking out for themselves. And I know um, as a painter in, in the, in the uh, art selling world, it has, it has been my experience in a lot of, a lot of times. Where people, you know, they want to keep their contacts close to the vest. They don't want to share this kind of thing. They feel like, uh, you know, that, that there's no, yeah, that there's not enough to go around. Um, 
and that, hey, you know, I worked my butt off to get this one connection. I better hold on tight. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes you hold on to something so tight that you smother it and, yeah. you know, and, and it, it can't grow. <laughs> you know, but like the end, in our industries aren't looking out for us. I mean, like that's that's <clears throat> that's a fact. And it's not like, oh, the art, the industries are turning their back. It's oversaturated. Everyone wants to be a painter. Everyone wants to be a dancer. Everyone wants to be an actor. Everyone wants to be a comedian. And a lot of these industries are driven by, you know, straight men. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on stand-up comedians right now because I'm trying, you know, for the gala, I want a couple stand-up comedians. And um, there's a lot of men. There's not a, I Like, I, I, I don't want all men. I want women. I'm currently watching uh, They Ready, which is the Tiffany Haddish special on Netflix. And all of them say, you know, every four months a major comedy, you know, location will have a female on the roster. But it's usually all men, you know. Uh, for, for me, it's like I can surely sit around and wait for my career to happen, but I'm not going to do that. I get bored really easily. Typical Gemini. Mm -hmm. So it's oh, like... Yes, we are Geminis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Geminis always get along with so each other. perfect that yeah. you got us here together. Uh -huh. um, and are you a Gemini? No. No, no. I'm a, I'm a Pisces um, and so it's like you know the you know it goes back to like why are we doing what we're doing for all of us it's it's about you know we got to stick together and 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 if you if you just put all the Tetris pieces together hopefully everything falls into place yeah, I think some of that comes with experience you know at first when you're when you're sort of scared and not knowing what's going on you feel like you're floundering out there um, you know, there's that, that fear that comes in, fear of scarcity, fear of, is this my one chance to make it or whatever. And as you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you had that year when you were on a couple of TV shows, you thought that was going to be the big thing and it was hot for a minute and then it cools off. I mean, I've had similar runs myself and, you know, but, but when you stay in it over time and you're not just a flash in the pan, I think most folks get that sort of, uh, that, that cool attitude of like all right i can what you know i'm gonna face each day and each challenge and i'm gonna give it the most you know the the best that i can and put put my all into it um but there's always going to be tomorrow there's always going to be the next yeah. day and so we we uh we just have to keep on gro going and growing we have to you know humility goes a long way uh i work at a restaurant uh in hell's kitchen it's a pizza place and it is a really popular pizza place. And we had um, a bunch of the uh, the Haddad, that's how you pronounce it, right? The trailers, the Haddad trailers, that they, the movie trailers. I don't know. Haddad, Haddad. I thought it was Haddad. Uh, Gigi Haddad. <laughs> Gigi Haddad. Had, had, had it? I think it's Haddad. Had, had it. Um, had it okay um i gotta change my vowels here um and and so they come into my restaurant and and you know i was like oh you know what are you guys doing and he's like oh law and order and i was like oh you're they were shooting at industry on 52nd street inside and then the exterior of therapy on 52nd street right and and therapy of my the the same business the same company that runs my pizza place owns therapy so i was like oh you know you know we're part of that you know so the word got around really quickly that law and order was up there and i said you know it's it's terribly humbling because uh in 
2014, I was in one of these trailers getting ready for my big close-up. And uh, all these years later, I'm now sweeping cigarette butts out in front of my restaurant, trying to open the restaurant. And there you all are. But he knew the two women that had done our makeup, our hair and makeup. And he's like, they're still with the company. He's like, I totally remember the, I did the big, Chicago and New York did a big crossover. So Chicago PD, Chicago Fire with Law and Order SVU. And it was called Chicago Crossover. And it was like a whole week where all of these shows were dealing with Chicago and New York. That I think that you then were in the same block of the those programs that my daughter was in. Maybe. Onata did, was in the, in the Chicago PD section whatever you oh, want to wow. call it of the crossover yeah yeah oh so your your daughter is an actress as well huh yeah she is uh onata priel yeah proud mama here absolutely <laughs> absolutely give her movie plugs oh oh she actually she has something coming up um she did a, a film with uh anne hathaway that should be coming out very soon um through netflix uh, the last thing he wanted is the the title. Oh, yeah. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And, and you mentioned some some previous work as well. Oh, previously, well, she has also been on Law and Order, and um, uh, she was on Instinct, and she also did um, what Maisie knew when she was younger, much younger. She had just turned six when she did that film, and she played Maisie. She was in every single scene of the film. And she was working with Julianne Moore and Alexander Skarsgård, um, both of whom were just amazing to watch. Um, it was a wonderful experience for her, but also for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very cool. Hopefully that works out well long term. It sounds like she's on a heck of a track already. That's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, I um, I want to try why don't you tell us i want to try to remember how exactly we met josh uh, i believe it was over a painting yeah why don't you tell that story sure so i was working for uh so samsung was doing a pop-up store down on um down in soho i can't remember soho streets are confusing to me even as a new yorker for 13 years i'm like get out of here i don't know what soho is like uh i was working and and a a co-worker of mine um eleni uh, Eleni and Dimitra, who are dear friends of yours, uh, were managing this event. And Eleni had just purchased one of your pieces, The Spirit of Maui, uh, framed, and it was gorgeous. And she brought it. She just picked it up. Or you had dropped it off, I think. And then she was showing us. And I was like, oh, my God. I was this young, budding, wannabe art collector. I still am a wannabe art collector. Um, and... And I was like, okay, give me his website. And so I went on your website and saw all of the work that you were doing. And I was really drawn to um, these two sculptures that you had done down in Mexico, right? Pakal sculptures after the Mayan chief, uh, Pakal. You can get lost in a Wikipedia uh, K-hole looking up Pakal. Um, and I contacted you. You were like, they're totally both for sale. This is what they both would be. And I was, you know, I was literally like slinging coffee and croissants at a pop-up store. I wasn't really making any kind of money here uh, on an hourly basis. So um, I, I told you I was going to buy one. And then when I came to pick up the sculpture, I saw two paintings. And I think I didn't buy them both. 
I think I bought one painting and then came back and bought the second painting. And then like six to eight months later, came back, got the second sculpture. And then I've just been picking pieces out of your rep ever since. I got him hooked. I got him hooked. But, you know, he, he's definitely more than just a budding collector. He has uh, several pieces by me and then several, several pieces by, by many other artists. So he's yeah. definitely a collector. I got to get one of Valentine's into my collection. Ah. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I, it's, I think you and I actually have had these conversations about, and I was telling Valentine on the way here on the train of, you know, I'm, I'm getting a, you know, a few art pieces donated to this gala and, and it's like, you know, trying to convince or, or encourage or inspire poor people, actors, right? Fellow actors that'll be at these events to engage in art collection because art collecting is like real estate at any given moment an artist's career can take off. Art is subjective. You know, you watch all of the documentaries and it's like one day, you know, this thing is worth a million dollars and within two days later, it could be worth $10,000. And for me, I collect because I like it. My boyfriend wants me to sell most of these pieces once they get once they get out. Like He's like, so if that's for worth 50 grand, you're going to sell it, right? And I was like, no. No, I collect these pieces because I want these pieces on my wall. But, you know, it's, yeah. There's something really special about being able to wake up in the morning or come home, you know, at the end of the day and have something there that really speaks to you, really speaks mm -hmm. to your soul and touches you. Something that is yours, yeah. you know. And I have like a, you know, my, my collection is eclectic. I've got, I think, six pieces of yours. Um, uh, I've got... Two David Paul K's. David Paul K is another emerging. Uh, do you know Do you know David's work? I do. You know David. Um, work, he's also donating to the camp or to, to the uh, to the gala. Um, he does. And and I was living in a building who had a mural of his on the roof. That's the first time I ever n noticed it. And then I, when I was doing Love and War, uh, my publicist wanted me to do a music video to release to Huffington Post to, you know, get some traction and get more butts in the seats. And so we did uh, my cover of Jason Mraz's I Won't Give Up on my roof with my friend Jess. And Jess was my guitarist. You know, it was, a, it was like an acoustic cover. It was just basically her. And so it's this weird, wacky music video we shot in the middle of the day um it's quite entertaining i did all the editing it probably is tragic um but it was in front of the mural how part of the show part of this music video is in front of the mural and then david was commissioned to redo the inside of g lounge before g lounge closed it's now rebar and and so his work had just been kind of popping up and then i don't know what i think one day i was scrolling his his instagram and he had this piece he called adonis now Weirdly enough, my I uh, there was this. I had an English teacher, Jenny LaRoche, Ms. LaRoche. I she's probably not going to listen to this, um, uh, but Ms. LaRoche had my sister, had my brother, and had me. She knew my grandfather. She knew my parents. She uh, went to school with my uncle. So um, she uh, she would always say in like in the middle of English class. Um, Josh, I saw your father run by the school this morning. He is such an Adonis. 
In the middle of class, like I love Jenny. Jenny Jenny LaRoche is epic because like she just she was like had no care or concern, like no Fs given. Um and you know, my dad up until he had his double hip replacement, my dad was a professional hockey player and then ran like five miles every morning. And so, so he was for like literally decades, this man has just beaten his hips in, right? So he had to get a double hip replacement. Um now he now he walks like Frankenstein a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Dad, you, yeah, dad, you look great. Um, so it would all, that, the story was always hilarious to me because like, you know, yeah, I knew my, I knew my dad went running by the time I was coming down to get ready for school. He was coming back with a family dog after the run. And you know, he was, he had running buddies and they all ran every single morning. In fact, um, get me back onto the Adonis, but in fact, there was one winter when there was this mysterious white van that that was appearing around the white school and everyone was concerned about a potential, like, is this van, is somebody trying to harm our children? And I remember I always studied for exams. I was a B minus student. I always studied for exams the morning of the test, right? So I'd get up really early and I'd go down into the living room. And I remember one morning I hear the soft snow on our front porch crunching as somebody's approaching the window. And I was like, it was like five something in the morning. I was the only one on Leroy Street even awake. So I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, it's me. I'm, I'm going to be abducted. This is, oh my God, I can't believe this from inside my house. And I hear a rat tat tat at the window and it was Rob Wood, one of my dad's running partners. is like, hey Josh, is your dad up? And I was like, like literally peeing my pants. I was like, no, dad didn't go running this morning. So anyway, that's, uh, I remember that story. But anyway, so I see this David Paul K piece called Adonis. And then it made me remember this epic story of my 11th grade English teacher calling my dad Adonis. So I, 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 I bought it. I reached out to him and I was like, I'm, that's mine. That is mine. And then recently he had a piece uh, show up and, um, and it's a piece called Hidden Beauty. And there, Adonis is a face that's hidden in, I mean, you're gonna, you guys will have to look up David Paul Kay's work so you understand. It's, it's a lot of black and white squiggle lines that create, yeah, that create this kind of larger um, imagery. And so Adonis is a face hidden in, this, in, these, in, the, in what he does, his craft. And then Hidden Beauty is also a face hidden in. So they both, I was like, these both bookend each other. So I needed, you know, I was like, I reached out and I was like, that's mine. I think that's usually how it is. I don't really give- Spoken like a true collector. Spoken like a true collector. I don't really give the artist a chance or a choice. I'm like, let's work, let's work this out. It's mine. <clears throat> so um, I've got a Rembrandt. I don't know if it's real or not. I've got, you know, some other acting friends stuff from the studio that I've, I've fallen in love with. And this weird pop surrealism from a woman in the Czech Republic. Don't ask. Etsy. I found it on Etsy. There you go. See? And see, it's, it was just <laughs> these sort of small connections. You know, it, it, it seemed like a small detail that broke into a major connection for you. And that it wasn't about how much is this going to be worth in five years or ten years. This is something that you wanted yeah. to live with and to experience. Yeah. And that's why you collected it's not it. not a pure one import print. It's not. Oh, For that's too all bad. The people who buy Pier One, we support you, but go out and buy a real print, a real painting, right? It it just it makes a difference. And when people walk into my room, you know, my my apartment, and it's just a whole different vibe. It's like a mini gallery, and they're like, "Oh wow, I have like Grateful Dead posters on the wall." I'm like, "Are they autographed?" No. Then why? Why? You in your 30s, lady? You know, like get it, good to get it together. <laughs> 
get it together. Check out paulcepeda.com or wetpaintnyc.com. If you have any issues, we can help you out there for sure. Um, no posters necessary. Of course, you know, hey, vintage posters. If, if that, if you know what, everybody collects what they like, yeah. but you don't have to pigeonhole yourself right. into that. There's affordable, ridiculous art out there for, for the taking. So, art so, fairs. Art fairs, get yeah. out there. Yeah. Sachi.com, S A A T C H I.com. Yes, I've got, I've got, yes, I have, I have some work on Sachi as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, so check that out. Um, before we wrap this up, Josh, why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about what the two plays that are coming up, what, what are they about? What are people in for when they come and see these plays of yours? Oh, gosh. Uh, take a Valium, that's for sure, before the show. Uh, <laughs> um, right. we are, our season is called The Dark Side of Love. Uh, we are exploring in the dark side of love. So um, uh, um, we're doing, we've got three pro projected project, uh, products coming up. We've got the two plays, Pizza Man and Stupid Fucking Bird, and then summer of 2020, um, I'm filming a web series called Mare. Mare is the old English spelling for nightmare. And it was this idea that this demon or goblin would come and sit on your chest at night and give you a nightmare. So we are taking, it's my friend Dane Doyle's idea. I'm just producing it. Again, I was like, that's, I'm producing this. That's mine, okay? I'm also directing one of the four episodes. But we did a pilot. Um, you know, you can reach out to me on social media. Uh, I can show you the pilot. But um, we are taking Shakespeare tragedies. We're placing them in modern-day Hell's Kitchen, which is uh, a, a wonderfully famous gay neighborhood in New York City. And we are illuminating the queer factor of Shakespeare's work. Now, I am not here to say Shakespeare wrote queer work, but for example, Romeo and Juliet will be lesbians. Um, Othello, Desdemona, Iago, or a, a, uh, you know, a male gay throuple. Ro um, Cleopatra and Antony, it's my goal to cast trans actors to play uh, those. Um, I was thinking we want to do um, Timon of Athens or Timon of Athens. I'm not sure how people pronounce that. Uh, Timon of Athens and get like Murray Hill, the New York City famous drag king to play like this daddy Timon of Athens. Um, so every, you know, this, the, it's, it's public content, you know, and we want to kind of give it an updated gay, queer, LGBTQ twist. Um, my company is registered with the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce as a as a gay uh, business enterprise. So that's something that I, you know, I, I want to keep active in that community um, uh, or in that kind of genre. Uh, proceeds of my gala are going to the Ali Forney Center for Homeless LGBTQ Youth. I want to give back, I want to give back. Um, so the fall productions, um, uh, Pizza Man is about two women who um, are kind of, it's like two great women on the worst day of their lives. Um, you've got uh, Julie and Alice who are roommates in early 1980s, um, like Murray Hill-ish. And uh, Alice is just coming home from work after her uh, boyfriend dumped her to go back to his wife. Uh, and Julie, 
It's, yeah, right? And Julie is coming home from work having just been given a pink slip because her boss made a pass at her. She turned it down and he fired her. So there, uh, and I mean, there's a lot more backstory that goes into why they're having shitty days um, and where they are at in their lives. And they are just fed up with the role of patriarchy in society. Men get away with everything. Men get to get away with everything. Donald Trump, we are looking at you. Um, and uh, so they decide in in Alice is starving and Alice can't function without um, without food in her stomach. And Julie was supposed to go grocery shopping that day, but only came home with cigarettes and booze. Did we um, have a reading of this at Jim? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's something I saw else. Maybe it's. Do- Okay. Maybe it was a gym I wasn't there, but I know the studio, okay. the, the Maggie Flanagan studio, they do scenes yeah, of this. Yeah, maybe somebody maybe. did it in class um, or something. No, because it was well before Jim ended. I mean, well after Jim ended that they came to us. But maybe. But they both decide that they are going to sexually assault the next man that they see for revenge. Now, this is a farce. It is a dark comedy. It is meant to make you laugh. It's meant to make you to consider, you know, Paul is laughing. So that's a start. Um, uh, they use the R word. Uh, I think rape is a trigger word these days. Uh, so we, we in, in what we're dealing with, talk about sexual assault. But the play is written in like 1983. Um, the playwright's really excited about our production. She not only donated to our Kickstarter campaign, she's donating a signed play to our uh, silent auction. So that's about, you know, women trying to get a cathartic release through revenge. And then... This pizza man shows up and they attempt to to sexually assault him and everyone gets this big cathartic release and knows where they need to, you know, engage in therapy a little bit more. And then Stupid Fucking Bird is a, um, a deconstruction kind of twist around on its head version of um, Chekhov's The Seagull. And Aaron Posner um, also has another play at Theater Row right now called Life Sucks, which is his deconstructed, kind of twisted around in its head version of um, Uncle Vanya. And essentially, I mean, most people uh, who have read Chekhov, I think would say, you know, it's like suicide by a soup spoon, you know, um, slitting your wrist with a soup spoon. It's, It's drama, it's funny, but it's like 1800s Russia. I took Russian in college. The poetry we were reciting is depressing. Russians weren't like in the great spirits in the 1800s. So it comes out in that, in that, in Chekhov's work. But somehow Posner finds the hilarity in the kind of effed up, twisted life of these Russians. And so everyone just hates their lives. Everyone can't feel. Everyone has too much emotion. You know, it's 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 great. So um, it's, I want to say Pizza Man's about an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and Stupid Fucking Bird is a three act with two intermissions. So that's probably going to come in around two hours. Um, they're shorter. They're shorter acts. But at least it's down from the original, which is four acts. Well, there you go. There you go. And you touched on something a couple of times while we've been speaking you crowdfunded the last two years or the last, you know, basically all of the last programs that you've done, you've crowdfunded through Kickstarter, correct? Six. I think I've done six Kickstarters. My friends and family are over me. Yeah, they're over me. They're like, my dad's like, you keep going to the same well. I'm like, well, as long as there are fish, 
in this well, I will come back to the well. Fish, water, whatever you get from your wells, he, if it's there, he, he will get it until it's gone. And that makes sense. But that's that, you know, that goes to what you were speaking about before, this idea of the village helping out. Mm-hmm. The idea of you've got something to share, you've got something to give, you're more than willing to give back to other yeah. members of the community and that kind of thing. And But no man can do it by himself. No woman can do it by themselves. You need help. You need, you know, shared resources. Perfect example. I remember I went to Valentine and I was like, do you want to come on board as a producer? Now, all along, as long as I'm directing and producing and I need movement, I'm coming to this woman. Um, She's brilliant at what she does and she's a great friend. We've had some random New York nights and that's, uh, you know, that, that, that is, that's, that's, that makes a fun friendship. But you know, <clears throat> I I came to her and I was like, do you want to produce? And she's like, in all honesty, I have my own stuff I'm trying to raise money for, you know. And it's, it, it's, it's one of those, okay, I get it. I get it. We all need to raise money. and We all have the avenues that we're going down to raise that money. And I respect an artist's hustle. Um, and I knew I could, I could hire and use Valentine's talents elsewhere. Um, I am proud to say Valentine is collecting a paycheck from my company. Uh, (laughs) um, Everyone's getting paid. Um, And and it's, you know, I've done about probably one, two, I think three plays. Um, I've done uh, a Kickstarter for um, some of the cabaret work for Joshing Around. I've done uh, some Kickstarters. Maybe six is too many. I counted it and I couldn't remember. Um, but I've done quite a few and it's an amazing experience. It's, it's, it's a doozy. It's grueling. It's 30 days of you're just working your butt off trying to get everyone in your life to know about this campaign and to share a passion and a vision. But listen, again, it goes back to the industry is not looking out for us. And if I want to produce and I want to work with my talented friends and I want to be able to pay them and do something um, fantastic and create art and leave our legacy as a group on these pieces we need money and until I you know have somebody who is actively raising money for our company or getting grants or whatnot I can't just sit around I'm not gonna sit around so we've, we've turned to crowdfunding um, we worked with a man by the name of Justin Giddings who was an actor and filmmaker in um, Los Angeles and he's like Forbes um, He's Forbes' is like number one social media guru. Um, and uh, I like people who are mentioned in Forbes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I seem to be drawn to them. Um, and we reached out. That might be a slight reference to my twice mentioned yes. in Forbes. Yes. But back to your story. <laughs> it's a little shameless plug. Um, and uh, so we reached out to him. And we hired him to coach us on the, the, the tricks of the trade for social media crowdfunding. Um, and most, right. and it, it works. When you stick to it and you do it, it works. Um, you have to be hungry. This, it's such, listen, 2019 is not the environment for an artist. And that's not going to stop me from being an artist. And I know it's not stopping Paul. And I know it's not stopping Valentine. Absolutely We're going to do everything to, to, to live out our calling and our fulfilling. And so... Every once in a while, that's a fundraiser for me. I think, think, you know, it does take time, too. You know, in the beginning, you know, you do have to keep going back to the same well. But you're, you know, as you keep doing this, maybe this is happening already. The well sort of grows, right? 
for instance, yes, I couldn't help you. I couldn't come on as a producer in that way. But, you know, I did when I could. I shared Absolutely. the I shared the mm-hmm. campaign. And, um, Which is literally know, just as important. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I know you got um, a couple of little bites off of that. And I, I think that people sort of underestimate um, what could happen just, you know, just even from doing that. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You know, I hope maybe those people will come back to you again in the yeah. future. You know, I mean. Yeah. I should say that I wasn't trying to throw you under a bus. I'm like, maybe. Oh, I, no, I know. I know. I know I'm just kidding. It's 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 one of those things. You we went to a lot of producers. I think our we we ended with fifteen, but we went to something like thirty producers to be like, will you come on board and help? Now some people like social media crowdfunding gives them like heartburn, and so they're like, no, get like like they're holding up a crucifix and garlic, like I'm a vampire. They're like, get away, we are not helping. And then I had a lot of friends who were like, my energy has to be focused on my own art, and that's listen, if if. The roles were reversed and Valentine came to me and was like, can you help out? And I'm about to launch this campaign. I'd be like, sorry, I can't because we're, it is, it's the state we're in. There's very little money to go around and we're just doing the best we can to create really groundbreaking, you know, magical art and experiences for people. So come see Valentine's work as uh, my movement director this fall and uh, maybe you'll see her in Mayor. Oh, Ooh. oh, yeah. As like, as like, as like featured background. <laughs> well, yeah. that's fantastic. So, how can people get involved? Where? Okay, so what are the websites? What's the social media? Tell us everything because you. I think you made a pretty darn good pitch for anybody who has uh, any any uh, hope for the future of culture in this country. I think you made a pretty good pitch for them to get involved. So, where can they find you? The easiest is you can go to our website, Art of War Productions. That is War, W-A-R-R. So Art of War Productions, you can find us. I know I'm clapping it. I'm clapping it. Um, I was clapping my hands. Valentine's like, stop playing drums. Um, You can, Art of War Productions, like I'm a little kid in a candy store. Um, uh, Art of War, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on, um, I think Twitter's A-O-W Productions. Uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram are Art of War Productions. Well, and if you go, if you go to artofwarproductions.com, right, all of the information of the about information. the super fun gala coming up is is, oh. is on there. Yeah, that's a nice shameless plug for the gala. I like that. That's why you're around. Um, the social media accounts are on there. You can reach out to us info at artofwarproductions.com or just fill out the you know submit a, uh, a submit on our website. But all of the information about what my company does, what we stand for, uh, the projects that we're going, uh, you can visit us. Um, you can also visit us at Art of War Productions and click on the donate tab. That will take you to our Fractured Atlas page. We are uh, a nonprofit under the umbrella of Fractured Atlas, which means all of your donations are tax deductible. So we're just, you know, we're trying. Um, The fall, uh, you'll like this. I'm not sure you actually know this um, or you. Uh, uh, The fall production is going to be dedicated to um, a memorial fund for Travis Waters. And Travis Waters was a childhood best friend of my brother. He was our neighbor in the backyard. 
that's that's weirdly stated. Their house, we're, we live on a corner, and so our backyard was like the street down the road. It's like it's like some like gnome who lives in our backyard. No, <laughs> Travis was a super brilliant, talented artist who left this world way too soon at 21 from a rare form of bone cancer. Um, and at, you know, I watched my brother lose his best friend. I lost the. I, I watched the world lose a very talented artist of tomorrow. So there is a um, Travis Waters Memorial Fund in my high school in Potsdam, New York, uh, that don't, uh, that basically gives a small scholarship every year to an artist who is graduating and going to get a degree in the fine arts. Oh, and so that. the same way that kind of equity cares, you know, Broadway cares, equity fights, AIDS collects money after Broadway shows. <clears throat> We're going to be collecting money every night for the Memorial Fund at the end of the run in, uh, in October. We'll send that check up to Potsdam and hopefully be able to make a difference. But I went to a college that was big into philanthropy and community service and giving back Hobart and William Smith colleges. So it's just ingrained into me. I mean, I we need to look out for each other. And, and that also means, you know, um, charities and, 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 and memorial funds and ways to give back. So um, this is not a for-profit company. This is, we are, we're, we're, we want to give back as much as we can. And you're giving back in many different ways. You're giving back financially, you're giving back with your time, and you're giving through your art, through your talents, through your skills, and just and through your uh, beautiful spirit and energy of sharing your dreams, your ideas, and this and this idea of helping others every once in a while. Um, so that is just so, so cool. I know that uh, you have to run because you're a busy man. And so we're going to we're going to close this out here now. But um, I hope that we can get you back again, both of you back again for another podcast. Uh, maybe after the season's out, we can we can uh, share some war stories or something about what you go through to produce these wonderful things. So thanks again for coming out to the Wet Paint NYC podcast. And everybody, you know where to find them. And thanks again to both of you for coming out today. Thank you. Thank you.